With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Jadavian Clowney Watch continues and Mary Kate Cabot, Scott Patsko and I are going to talk more Jadavian Clowney right off the top of this podcast and the impacts that signing him will have on multiple people, the Brown strategy moving forward, all of that. And then in the second half of the pod, Tim Bielek joins and Tim and I go through a mock draft simulator live. We, I put it up on my screen on the Zoom and Tim made all the Browns picks and even threw in the trade. So that's coming up here on the Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. Here we go on our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Look, depending on when you are listening to this on Wednesday, maybe Jadavian Clowney will be a Brown. But we're recording this on Tuesday. Mary Kay, kind of give us this a real quick update on Tuesday. Obviously, things can change, and then we'll kind of get into kind of what Clowney means for the Browns. Okay, what I expect to happen by Wednesday is uh, Jadavian Clowney was scheduled to come into town on Tuesday night as long as there were no mechanical issues. He was arriving in Cleveland on Tuesday evening at some point. And then on Wednesday, time for his physical. And as long as everything goes okay with the physical, he's coming off of a torn meniscus, then he should be a Brown sometime on Wednesday is my guess. I think it'll be a one-year contract. I think it will be, uh, you know, there were two estimates, spot rack, uh, said he should be like one year, 6.5. And I think PFF had him at one year, almost like $16 million or something like that. I can't remember what theirs was. Theirs was way high. I, I think it'll be somewhere in the neighborhood of maybe eight, nine, $10 million for one year. So therefore what that that's going to mean is that you're kind of getting two for the price of one tack McKinley, Jadavian Clowney. And if you look at it globally like that, if you can get two guys with a varied skill set. Uh, and you can get some decent production out of them. I think it's a good deal. Scott, I don't know if I've heard kind of what you think of the idea of signing Clowney and, and adding him here. I mean, I think it's a it's a good idea. I mean, you want to get as many uh, good players as you can. When Mary Kay first wrote that Clowney was coming back, I started seeing these tweets about how the Browns are going to have this unstoppable pass rush now, and you know, Clowney's going to take them to a next to the next level. And I just I kind of laugh at that because really from a pass rush perspective, Clowney right now is basically Olivier Vernon. He, his, he's never had a season as close to Vernon's best seasons. You know, Vernon had those back-to-back 80 pressure years, but they've both been over nine sacks or had at least nine sacks just twice. And remember Clowney played two full seasons with JJ Watt. 
JJ Watt was all pro in both those years. One of them was 2018. Clowney had 59 pressures, which ranked 18th. And his his pass rush uh, rate, as far as pressure rate, was about 6.2, which is nothing special. That's basically what you got from Vernon last year. And had 51 pressures, ranked 17th. Had nine sacks. Clowney had nine and a half sacks that year. So it's basically kind of the same thing. I think where Clowney really sets himself apart from Vernon, where it's really an upgrade, is against the run. Clowney has uh, gotten a run grade from PFF in the top 10 from like 2015 to 2019. That's where he's been like an elite edge player. It isn't really his pass rush ability. He didn't make the Pro Bowl just because he's a good pass rusher. It was, he's a complete player on the edge. And not that Vernon was, you know, a bum <laughs> on the edge against the run, but Clowney gives you another dimension there, a, a much better player. And I think that's where, it, where the difference really comes from. And not that playing next to Miles Garrett is going to make Clowney a, a Pro Bowl pass rusher. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the thing that's important too is like, we need to frame this for what it is. Jadavian Clowney is coming here to be your number two pass rusher or, you know, kind of in that platoon as a number two pass rusher. So we, he doesn't need to be Miles Garrett, right? Miles Garrett is already here. You're bringing in a guy to be your number two. And based on some of those numbers you put out there, Scott, you know, comparing him to Olivier Vernon, who was your, your most recent number two pass rusher, so, some numbers that the Mary Kay, you and I talked about yesterday in those first seven games with the Titans, you know, they weren't amazing numbers, but they were good numbers. The amount of pressures he had kind of where he ran, he was right there with JJ Watt through the first seven weeks and pressures, you know, somewhere in the 20, like high twenties. I don't have the numbers directly in front of me. Three batted passes was creating some amount of pressure for a number two guy. They were pretty good. Oh Yeah. They're really good numbers for a number two guy. Jadavian Clowney is actually almost like a one and a half, okay? Because if on some teams, he would almost be your number one edge. Uh, so he, he almost is somewhere in between a number one guy and a number two guy when he's healthy, okay? Now, he hasn't been healthy for the last couple of years. Last year, he kind of battled through that knee injury. And then ultimately, like he, he played, I think, seven games, and then sat out a game and then played one more game and then succumbed finally to the knee injury, the torn meniscus, and then he underwent surgery. So he was probably battling through that for a while in some of those other first seven games. And so he just really wasn't healthy. And now he's had it surgically repaired. Uh, it's my understanding that the knee should not be an issue this year. Uh, of course, he has an injury profile, and that's where a little bit of the risk comes in. But if he is healthy and he gets back to that sort of elite edge rush defend the run defender that he is, that's that's pretty darn good value if you can get him in the eight to ten million dollar a year range. Remember, they paid uh, Olivier Vernon eleven million dollars last year. So if you're getting Olivier again for around that same price, I still think that's good value. I think he performed very well last year and did for you what you needed him to do especially at a time when Miles was struggling to come back from COVID. So he picked up the ball and, and basically ran with it and ended up with nine sacks in, in the last half of the season for the most part. And that, that worked out to be uh, exactly what they needed. And the thing about Jadavian and Tack together, once again, it's two guys that come with some risk and you're not really sure what you're going to get hundred percent out of either of them. But Tack is a little bit known more for rushing the passer. 
Jadavian is known more for stopping the run and setting the edge. So those two guys together, I think they give you a good one-two punch. And if you add up their salaries, they're still going to be cheaper than even probably what definitely what one Bud Dupree or Carl, you know, Carl Lawson or somebody would have cost you for the most part. Another thing that McKinley and, and Clowney together give the Browns that uh, that I'm sure is attractive to them is the fact that they can they both have experience rushing from each side of the line. They're not just tied to one side the way Miles Garrett was earlier in his career. And we saw Miles move around a lot the last two years, really last year, especially. I think he he rushed more times from the left over the first half of the season uh, than from the right, which was a big change for him. You know, having guys who can also do that in in McKinley and, and potentially Clowney uh, allows Joe Woods to get a little more creative. I think that's what's interesting about this line is there is so much versatility. I'm glad you brought that up because you have those guys. Miles can play anywhere. He can play inside and outside if they want to, but Sheldon can play on the edge. Malik Jackson can play on the edge. You know, I, I would imagine that they might draft another interior guy. You know, we haven't really seen what Jordan Elliott can do if, if he's really versatile like that. But we know that this defense really values versatility across the board. And it seems like on the defensive line, that's part of it. And now you've got the situation where if you create like a third and long and you've, you can line miles up anywhere and Clowney up anywhere and tack McKinley anywhere and throw somebody else out there, you've got this upgraded secondary, you could got some real problems for a quarterback. Yeah. I, I think you guys are exactly right about this. And the very interesting thing uh, about the fact that they are versatile and they can all move around as, as you guys mentioned, Malik Jackson can rush from the interior position. He can play big end. So you are going to have pressure coming from everywhere along the line. And I think that's important. You're going to get good interior pressure. You're going to get it from both sides. And, uh, and you can be really creative in the way that you line all these guys up. You can have, you know, three guys on, on the line. You can have four. You can have five. I mean, you can just do so many things with them. But the key is that. These guys, these quarterbacks are not going to know where the pressure is going to be coming from, but will they will know is it's going to be coming. And I think that uh, the Browns can, can be very confident now in the fact that they are going to affect and disrupt the quarterback in a very profound way, primarily with their defensive alignment, right? I mean, they, you know, for the most part, it will be those guys except for uh, you know, when they blitz and do some other things like that, but they will be bringing it with those guys. And now they've just got like a, just a whole cornucopia of different guys that can do different things up there. What specifically does this mean for Tack McKinley? Does he become Adrian Claiborne in this scenario? Yeah, I, oh. I think that, I mean, Jadavian Clowney is going to start. He's going to start opposite Miles Garrett. I'm just going to, we're just going to put that out there right now. That's how this goes. You don't sign Jadavian Clowney and then not have him start. I just, I really believe that's what the plan is going to be. So TAC will rotate in and, and then I guess it's just a matter of, you know, does he rotate in mostly over there with, with Jadavian or is he used along the line in different ways or do they try to keep miles a little bit more fresh and, you know, do more of a, a, a double rotation on the outsides. Uh, there's a lot of different things that you can do, but I, I think that it means that TAC probably is not going to be starting. Today, that question doesn't matter, I guess. So they'll <laughs> figure it out. I think the 
bottom line here is they added depth. You're adding depth and talent. You bring in Clowney in that position. And that's what you need because they were in the bottom half of the league in pressures. You had Miles Garrett last season, but you're still, you know, uh, on the bottom half of the league in, in total pressure. So you're, you're hopefully, you know, you're boosting that. And then on the inside, you're hopefully boosting that with, you know, switching out Larry Ogunjobi for, for uh, really a trio of, of players who could, who could end up rotating in uh, with Sheldon Richardson there. So um, it's just giving yourself more options and, and going into another season and hoping these changes work because they need to improve over what they had last season for sure. And also the back end of this defense is going to help these new guys. You know, the idea here is to make the quarterback hold the ball longer by having better pass defense. And that's going to help guys like McKinley and Clowney and whoever is on that defensive line. The other guys, I, I, I'm just wondering, are there, are there other guys on this roster you're curious about there? So there's they sell Porter Gustin over there. Curtis Weaver is a guy that we haven't talked a lot about, but they stole him from Miami, which kind of tells you that he's a guy they weren't, didn't mind bringing in and stashing. You know, I, I don't want to rely on a guy like Porter Gustin. I don't want to rely on a guy like, like Curtis Weaver who didn't even play football last year and was a fifth round pick, but you know, it sort of seems like they're, you know, they've got Clowney at the top and Tack McKinley, and they've got some other bodies they can just sort of throw out there. Like that, that's sort of been their approach at that other edge rush side. I, I think so. And of course, the other thing, the big sort of elephant in the room with all of this too is, you know, what does this mean? Are they done? Or now are they going to also draft a pass rusher at number 26 overall or in the second round or wherever they could get one? Uh, so I think that's another thing to consider. In my mind, this doesn't preclude that from happening, and it shouldn't. Because if the best, most dominant player that you can find is a pass rusher, at number 26, then you got to go ahead and take it because Tack and Jadavian are on going to be on one-year contracts. So you have to be planning for the future. And if the worst thing that happens is you have too many good edge rushers, well, so be it because then you are set up for the next how many ever years at the position. And chances are, you know, maybe one or both of those guys isn't back next year in Jadavian or Tack. Uh, so therefore, go ahead and take that guy. So I think that's one of the residual effects of this is that it, it doesn't mean no edge rusher at 26. Yeah, I think edge rusher and cornerback are still the two positions on defense where this, this group, this front office has not drafted somebody that they can develop on their own. You know, mm -hmm. uh, they got that player at safety and linebacker, interior defensive line, but they don't have that at cornerback and they don't have that at, at edge rusher. And I still think, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to, to target those positions, especially since bringing in Clowney obviously is not a long-term solution. Yeah. I don't know if this changes the draft strategy. I do wonder, does it make a guy like Zayvon Collins more realistic because he's a guy obviously plays linebacker. We've talked about how much the Browns value linebacker, whether they do or don't, but Collins is also a guy we've talked about as maybe potentially being able to be, you know, an edge rusher as well. Didn't get a ton of snaps at Tulsa last year as an edge rusher and doesn't have a ton in his background, but he has graded pretty well on PFF as an edge rusher. His size seems to indicate to me that he could handle that position. Maybe again, not full time, but if you're giving a guy like that a little more time to kind of grow into that, you know, I, I just wonder if that makes taking that linebacker at 26 a little more realistic. 
Yeah, I, th- I think so. Especially as you mentioned, you know, some of the linebackers that we're talking about are not just your traditional linebackers. And if they are playing in a four, three base, which this isn't even really necessarily a four, three base, if you're playing in more the, of a four, three type of, of system, you know, some of these guys are going to be defensive ends, at least on some downs. So therefore you're not just talking about an outside linebacker per se, like you would think of if you're playing a lot in a three, four defense. Uh, so therefore, you know, I do think that it makes somebody like a Zayvon Collins more possible, more likely, or, or makes more sense to do something like that because you are looking at him as, as a defensive lineman and playing multiple positions, including edge. So yeah, I, I could see something like that happening. I could still see them going for an Aziz or one of those guys, but as Scott mentioned that, I mean, cornerback, I mean, you know, maybe it makes it more likely that you do take a cornerback there at number 26. You know, I, I would have to think that cornerback receiver and edge rusher would be the things that you would really kind of be looking at there at 26 overall. I think if they take a linebacker, it's gotta be somebody who really excels in coverage. Like that's, that's where linebacker is heading. And the Browns, got a bunch of linebackers who played a lot of snaps last year but only one of them really excelled in coverage you know and he's what 32 um and Malcolm Smith so mm-hmm. I, I don't know man I I look at these linebackers and I think how who who doesn't who's not on this team and if they add another one if they add a rookie especially a high drafted rookie who they're going to want to give playing time to and they just drafted Jacob Phillips last year I think you. I think you really need to lean towards coverage ability, who, which, whatever kind of linebacker they get. And I think the days of getting, at least on this defense, getting yeah that that rushing linebacker isn't as big of a priority. So I, I think again though that I, I do think that still makes Collins interesting because for all I, I said about that pass rushing stuff, he might still be his strength might still be in coverage. Um, he, he's kind of a do it all guy. And, and that's why I think that's interesting, but that said, I'm still all in on a cornerback at 26. I still am looking really heavily at the cornerbacks there because look with adding Jadavian Clowney, adding tag McKinley, you added Anthony Walker at linebacker and brought back Malcolm Smith. You added safety. You added a slot corner. They still haven't directly addressed the cornerback position. And it, it just feels like, you know, they purposefully didn't address left tackle last year because that was going to be the direction they want at number 10. And then the same could be said for safety as well, right? They took a safety in the, in the second round and they didn't, they added some veterans, but they didn't add like a long-term option there. I, ju- I just can't believe that this team is going to go into next season with Super Bowl aspirations and just kind of shrug their shoulders at the idea that Greedy Williams has to be the guy over there. I just think there has to be some other plan. And if Greedy is the starter and is awesome, that's great. But I just don't think that can be your plan A necessarily. Yeah, I I would have to agree with you on that, especially when you're talking about a team that says over and over, you can't have enough good cornerbacks. I mean, we hear Joe Woods say that. We hear Andrew Berry say that. And, And of course, every team has to be like that now. Uh, with the way the NFL is with such an emphasis on, on the past. So, 
it would make a ton of sense for them to go cornerback there or in the second round. It really would. It would make a ton of sense. And even though I, for one, am really pulling for Greedy Williams because of everything that he went through last year, you really want to see him be able to come back. He's trying so hard. And all signs are pointing to him being able to play this year. But you have to make sure that you're covered in that regard. If you need another starter there or somebody to share the spot, uh, you want to make sure that you've got uh, somebody that is really, really excellent at that position and can lock down their side of the field and can be a tremendous compliment to Denzel Ward. And it, it, it would make a lot of sense. And it really seems like there will be a number of very, very good cornerbacks that will be available around that time. Yeah. You can't bank on Greedy Williams, no matter how good his, you know, rehab is going it you, because you don't want to be in a position where you have to move Troy Hill out there. And then now you're dipping into your depth at, at, nickel corner and you saw where that got you last year yeah you know, there's just a lot of issues the further down the depth chart the Browns got so you want Hill in the slot you want whether it's Greedy Williams or someone else you want somebody who can man that outside position opposite Ward and have kind of everybody playing where they're best instead of shuffling people around and trying to plug holes and the same way you can't count on Grant Delpit and that's probably a big reason why uh, Johnson's here because they had to guard against that. They had to get somebody at the back of the defense who they knew they could count on and getting Grant Delpit back and him having a successful, or what will be his rookie year is just like a big bonus right now. No, nobody's rooting against greedy. You know, everybody wants to, to see greedy come back and, and do well. But the other part of this is you don't want to be sitting there in the middle of October or November thinking, man, we probably should have made some contingency plans just in case this is your opportunity to do that here in free agency and the draft. Okay. We are going to have some more draft talk coming up on the other side uh, of the break here with Tim Bielik. We actually did a little mock draft sim. I had Tim make all the Browns picks as we went through, he even threw a couple of trades in there that's coming up on the other side of the break. Scott and Mary Kay. Thanks for the time. All right. And now we welcome on Tim Bielik. Tim, how are you? Doing good. Hope you and everyone listening are as well. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. We're going to use a mock draft simulator. I always play around with these things. Uh, I know you do it too. And if you're out there and you've never done one of these mock draft sims, it's a great way to kind of familiarize yourself with some players that could be available for the Browns. There's a bunch of them out there. PFF has one. There's a ton out there. Just Google it. But we're going to use profootballnetwork.com's draft simulator. So we've got this set up. And what we're going to do is we're going to let it get to the Browns picks. And Tim, you are going to make a pick for the Browns uh, as we go along. So the draft is running as we speak. We are up to number 26. Now there are trade offers. Uh, if, if you want to look at trade offers, we can do that. And then we can take a look at some of the guys that are available. But are you interested in trading out of 26 at all? I am not because I'm looking at the list of best available players. Now in this simulator, you'll see that there's a bunch of best available players on the right side of the screen. And I'm already looking and there's plenty of good options. So I'm staying at 26. All right. So we're just going to reject the three trade offers that we got. And so in this sim, Hey, Mac Jones is somehow still available. <laughs> uh, Greg Newsome, Quiddy pay Joseph Osai. Uh, as I, as I scroll down here, uh, Gregory Russo is still out there. I'm leaving out some of these names that are available. Jalen Phillips is still available. And just to kind of look at some guys, uh, Zaven Collins went number 19th to uh, number 19 to Washington, Caleb Farley, 21 
to the Colts. Jameen Davis, 24 to the Steelers, a couple picks ahead of the Browns. And let me see if there's some other interesting names up here. J.C. Horn went 11th to the Giants. And just to have it on the record, it went Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, one through four. Uh, okay, so who do you like here at 26? Ooh, that's a that's a good call. That's a tough call right here. Because I'm looking at the board, and we're obviously living in the world where we assume Jadavian Clowney is going to be a Brown by the end of the week. I think, obviously, you guys have talked about that throughout the week, so I won't try and talk about it too much. But I think with where the board falls, as much as there's some good edge rushers there, I'm looking at Greg Newsom from Northwestern as my pick because – with Clowney off the board, with Clowney on the roster, I think that kind of takes edge rusher and kind of knocks it down from being like number one need to maybe number two. And with corner, you don't necessarily know what you're getting in Greedy Williams this season. If you if one of these top four corners falls, talking, of course, about Pat Sertan from Alabama, Kale Farley, J.C. Horn, Greg Newsom, if one of them falls, they are very they become very interesting pieces. And as much as I like the edge rushers on there, there's there's a lot that I like, including Quiddy Pay, who I've said before, if Quiddy Pay was there, I would probably go with him. But in this instance, I'm just kind of – I will take Greg Newsom and continue to round out the secondary. He is the pick at number 26 as it rolls along to number 59. So now we're getting trade offers. We have one trade offer. This is from the Buffalo Bills. They're offering pick 61 and pick 161. So basically move down two spots, pick up number 161 in the process. What do you think? No. If it was a future fourth-round pick, I would consider it. But, I mean, they already have two fourth-round picks. They have a fifth. They have two-thirds. I think if you were trading down, if it was going to be a mid-round pick you're trading for, I'd want it to be next year. Because it seems like that's what Andrew Barry wants to do is just continue to roll picks forward, roll them around while they still have a high value continue to create some assets for the future all right now this sim had mac jones going 48th to the raiders how about that Uh, gotta love mock gotta love mock draft simulators the one (laughs) thing i will say is i am glad that like every time i've done this none of them have had trevor lawrence going going anywhere for number one so thank you to the programmers for making sure that that (laughs) scenario does not happen because who knows what's going to happen if trevor lawrence is somehow not the number one pick i think the internet might just break Okay, so here we go. The picks directly ahead of the Browns, starting with the Steelers at 55. They went Josh Myers out of Ohio State. My guy Peyton Turner goes 56 to the Seahawks. Joe Tryon, an edge from Washington, goes 57 to the Rams. And Baron Browning, 58th, a linebacker. Of course, a linebacker to the Ravens. (laughs) All right, so I'm scrolling down the list here of names. Who who are you kind of considering here as as we go down this list? Well, the top edge guy is Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, who I is an interesting guy because I think he's kind of a high floor, low ceiling guy, a guy who will play, who should be able to play well on Sundays, but I don't know what his ceiling is as a player. He's a guy who can rush from the inside and the outside. Ali McNeil from North Carolina State's been a guy we've talked that's been kind of thrown about as a defensive tackle option. Ron Nail Moore from Purdue is a guy I really, really like because He's that type of guy who, even though he's had some injuries, he's incredibly strong for a player of his size. Just give him the ball, and he could turn a two-yard gain into a 22-yard gain. Maybe he could be a receiver running back hybrid. You create a place for him, and you just kind of designate him as your big play guy. 
Deami Brown from North Carolina was a guy I had originally mocked to the Browns in my seven round mock. I like his big playability. Uh, Nick Bolton from Missouri is interesting because he's a smaller linebacker, but he can hit pretty well. And those are the guys I'm really kind of starting to considering. Hamza Nasrulladeen from Florida State would be interesting too because I think he kind of fits that hybrid role because he's a bigger safety. Maybe he could slide down into the box a little bit. He's got a great skill set, but he was banged up last season. All right, so who do we like here? As much as I love Rondale Moore, and I just think he's probably as explosive a player in this draft not named Jalen Waddell, I think I'm going to go for Deami Brown of North Carolina just because I think he's a little more complete than Rondale Moore. Injuries aren't as much of a question, and I, I love the productivity. I mean, he's got athleticism and productivity, which I think are two big check marks. what seems like in the Andrew Berry draft catalog or the draft formula. Because we we saw that in the past in in 2020 when he's drafted guys who were productive and guys who were pretty young still had an upward trajectory, some good athletes. So I think that would be a good way to go. So like I, like I said before, average 20 yards per catch the last two seasons and a year ago did it on 55 catches, which tells you he can do it with some consistency and volume, which are both pretty impressive. All right, so adding a corner in the first round and Greg Newsom and then going wide receiver in the second round uh, with Deami Brown out of North Carolina. So now the, uh, the simulator keeps rolling. We've got two trade offers here. The giants want to give us a, give us pick 116. That's a pretty big move down from 89, uh, which is where we're at. The giants want to give us 116, a fourth next year and a fifth next year would also give up 257. The Browns would in that scenario. Uh, are we taking this or no? What's the next offer? The next one is Denver. They want the Browns to move down to 114, and they're going to give up a 2022 fourth to have them do it. I'm seriously considering the Giants offer because I look at you still have pick 91, which is two picks later. You've got an early fourth, and you've got a mid fourth. I think you could backload those, and I'd rather have pick seven. I'd rather pick a third time in the fourth round then, then the third to last pick in the draft because you got a way better shot at getting a player for the future. And we all know they're not, we, they probably won't be making nine picks in this draft. So why not trade down? You still have those two, you still have that pick two spots later. And then you have a bevy of fourth round picks. Plus, you have again, double picks in the fourth and fifth next year to use as potential assets. So I would take that trade down offer. All right. We're going to pull the trigger then. Brown's trading pick 89 and pick 257 to the Giants for pick 116. And then the Giants fourth and fifth round picks in 2022. Hitting accept here. And like you said, Brown's right back on the clock. They get one trade offer here. This is from Kansas City. It's pick 91. Uh, Kansas City would give up 94 and a sixth rounder next year. I don't love that offer. What do you think? Reject. Hanging up the phone. Sorry, Brett Veach. All right. So here we go. Uh, if you need me to search for somebody, I can search for somebody. But as we kind of scroll down the list here, we've got, well, just just show say some names that you see as we scroll down. Dylan Moses from Alabama is such an interesting player. This was a guy who was recruited starting in eighth grade by Alabama and LSU. This was a guy in 2018 was great, but had a knee injury, and had an injury in 2019, and he just wasn't the same player in 2020. Browns don't need a linebacker, but a really – a running back, but I really love Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis based solely on what he did in 2019. Talanoa Hufanga from USC is a guy that can hit. I love the way he plays. Bill Williams from Louisiana Tech is a really promising 
interior pass rusher, and he's got he's got some very interesting tools that stick out to me. I think he might be my pick because I feel like as much as I think as much as the Browns have Sheldon Richardson, I do think defensive tackle can be a little bit of a sneaky need. Something where you want to continue putting bodies in, you want to have some insurance in case Jordan Elliott isn't quite what you expected him to be. And with Larry Ogan Joby leaving, I think having just another young player in that defensive tackle rotation should be very interesting, especially a guy who can create some interior pass rush, maybe move him outside in certain situations. I think he's about 280-some pounds. Okay, so we are going with Mill Williams from Louisiana Tech here at number 91 after that trade down. We are moving on now to round number four. The Chiefs really want to make a trade with this team. <laughs> they really want to make a trade because they are on the phone again making an offer for pick number 110. The Browns would give up 110 and 211, and they would get three picks back in this draft, 136, 144, and 175. Again, this I might be hanging up the phone on Brett Veach. I think you might too because – We've talked about this. How many picks are the Browns actually going to make in this draft? So they're going to actually end up adding a pick in this scenario? No, hang up the phone on them. I'm not making this pick. I mean, I'm not trading this pick, I should say. All right, here we go. We are now to 110. So we scroll back up to the top of our list here and give us some names that you're looking at. All right, Quincy Roche from Miami is an interesting edge rusher prospect. This was a former American Athletic Conference Player of the Year at Temple before he transferred to Miami. Didn't have quite the production I think everybody expected. Maybe not the greatest athlete. He's an interesting fourth-round option as we continue to scroll down. Again, they don't need a running back, but I'm interested in where Trey Sermon from Ohio State goes, especially after breaking the school's single-game rushing record, which is no small feat. Kane Stearns from Texas is a former four, is a former high-recruit prospect. Um, this was a guy who was injury-prone, but when he played, I thought he was really, really good. So this, that's a guy who's interesting to me as we keep on scrolling. This is the interesting part of the draft because I think here they could go for some interesting needs now. I would look at uh, Deo Odeyengbo. I believe that's how you pronounce his name, from Vanderbilt. I think we go up a little bit. Right there, the edge from Vanderbilt. Yeah, Deo Odeyengbo from Vanderbilt. I'm just going off the phonetic, just trying to pronounce his name phonetically. I apologize <laughs> if I, I haven't gotten his name right, but I think I'm looking for an edge rusher, you know, with Clowney, with – um, Tack McKinley. I understand. I'm sure there's a lot of fans excited about Curtis Weaver. Yeah, Porter Gustin. You're not necessarily looking for an edge rusher who's going to contribute day one. Maybe you look for a guy who's rotational. Ode Ingbo is a guy that I've seen in some box be like a day two guy. So I think he's worth the pick here in this spot to okay, kind of so continue to add to that position. Dale Odiangbo, uh, the edge out of Vanderbilt, and we're just going to stop saying the name because uh, we're not 100% <laughs> sure that we're saying it right. And that's that's the draft season for you folks. But he is the guy who's the pick here for the Browns at number 110. Whoever makes that call on the stage, they're going to get it right. <laughs> oh, speaking of funny things you see at the draft, I, I, I just thought about the tweet again where you're talking, where had the one uh, scouting report that said, skinny with thin bones. I'm like, <laughs> what does that even mean? It was, I, I had to laugh when, when I saw that it was, it was a guy that I kind of liked for a, a late round pick, actually a guy that I see on our, our list of names available here. Now, as we move along one trade off here for one sixteen. this is already a pick that the Browns in our little mock sim here acquired from the New York giants, the Ravens, similar to the kind of what the chiefs are offering. The Ravens want to give the Browns an extra pick. The Ravens want to trade three for two, but nothing next year. So, again, this one just doesn't seem to make much sense. 
Yeah, let's reject it. All right. Sorry, uh, Baltimore. Plus, it's a divisional trade. Come on. We don't want to do that. All right. So as, as we're looking through names here, uh, we're, we're kind of in that difficult part of the board where it's hard to maybe see every name you're looking for. But uh, who stands out? Trey Sermon is still out there. A guy you had mentioned. I know I kind of passed over linebacker. We haven't really gone to it. But at the top of the board, Cameron McGrone from Michigan is a name I kind of missed in the beginning. This is a guy who could have day two potential raw but it's got some athleticism i think he's worth a worth a pick here i mean you can we can debate for hours about what the browns value at linebacker but i think it's worth investing in some way to try and continue to f- try and find a gem at the position and and putting more athletes at the position especially when you have to face lamar jackson twice a year is, is a pretty smart move because you want to just keep finding guys who can run at that position i think so i'd go camera grown from michigan that one was easy so Cam McGrone, the guy that we get from uh, the trade that we made earlier. And we move along now to pick number 132. Nobody wants this pick, so we just get to make <laughs> Browns picking now at 132. Now, is Divine Diablo on the board here? Doesn't look like it. I don't see him. All right, well, if he pops up again, we'll go back to it. But <laughs> I, think, I think I'm ready to go offensive line. So let's see who's available. Um, Aaron Banks from Notre Dame, the guard is interesting. He's more of a power guy. I don't know how well he fits in the zone blocking scheme. Oh, Divine Diablo is there. Oh, there he is. Uh, let's take him. Again, more versatile back seven players can be kind of a hybrid linebacker safety guy. Again, you got it. In some ways, you do, I think, have to cater to how the to who you're going up against in a division and having guys that can move and create problems for Lamar Jackson and force him to be as one-dimensional as possible. Not a bad, not a bad investment. And it's a late fourth round pick. Your third, you might as well take a swing on this guy. All right. So Divine Diablo is the pick for the Browns. And we move on to round five. And the Browns picking at 169. Again, here we go. Everybody wants to give up picks this year to <laughs> move up. The, the Cowboys are making the offer here. 179 and 204 for 169. Are we rejecting this one too? Yeah, let's reject it. All right. So here we go. A pick number 169 for the Browns. What are we looking for? I'm going offensive line. I thought I saw Robert Hainsey's name from Notre Dame a little further down. I like him. You know, I like his movement ability. I'm thinking with the zone blocking scheme, you want mobile guys. He's got to bulk up a little bit, but you're not looking for offensive linemen for this year. You're looking for down the road, maybe a potential tackle. I'm kind of in one part of my mind starting to already think about, you know, what do you want to do when Jack Conklin's contract is up? Do you want to have a replacement ready for him? Do you want to start trying to groom one? Maybe an offensive lineman you stash on the practice squad as he continues that weight. I think Hainsey could be a guy who can do that. All right. So there's the pick Robert Hainsey, the guard out of Notre Dame. We move on now to round number six as it scrolls along and the Browns are up at two eleven. So where are we, what are we looking for here? Oh yeah. I think, I'm looking for interesting traits. As I see Simi Fehoko out of Stanford, I believe he had some impressive athletic numbers. 40, he ran a 4-3-7 in his 40-yard dash at his pro day at Stanford. He's a 6-4 receiver who can do that. So I think I've, I mentioned this before. In this spot, I'm looking for either athletic, athletic forces of nature who may be raw may have been overlooked for one reason or another or guys who are special teamers. I think even though I took Diami Brown in the second round, 
I think going with a guy like Fajoko, you know, you want to gamble on his athletic tools. You already made a six-round pick on an athletic guy that's already worked out pretty well in Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's worth taking a flyer on Fajoko because, I mean, if you miss, it's a six-round pick. And in essence, the second Donovan Peoples-Jones scored his touchdown in Cincinnati. He already had better – he already was worth a six-round pick way more than what you normally get. So let's go – let's round out this draft. Simi Fajoko, wide receiver of Stanford. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm all about traits, especially late on day three of the draft. Okay, so there we go. Greg Newsom to lead things off at cornerback. Deami Brown at wide receiver at 59. Uh, Milton Williams, the tackle out of Louisiana Tech at 91. Deo Odiingbo, we're going we're gonna to look that name up after this. We're both going to run and look that name up. The edge out of Vanderbilt at 110. Cam McGrone, the linebacker out of Michigan at 116. Divine Diablo had a little trouble finding him, but we found him and took him at 132. Robert Hainsey, the guard out of Notre Dame at 169. And then Simi Fajoko, the wide receiver out of Stanford at 211. And in the process, picked up the Giants' fourth and the Giants' fifth-round pick. I, I actually – no, not at all. I actually did look it up. It's on NFL.com. His name is Odangbo. Odangbo. Okay, so we were just adding a syllable. A syllable. Yeah. We were pretty close. Apologize to Deo Odangbo, but we now know how to, how to pronounce his name. Which, which is good because now he, now he plays for the team we cover, at least according to, uh, to this mock draft. All right, Tim, that was fun. Thanks for the time. No problem. Happy to do it. <laughs>